All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Heavy Ham, and this is another episode of the Hamcast. Listeners have been going kind of down a little bit, and that's okay. Um, but before we begin, I'd like to give everyone out there a moment to know that we've been approved for sponsorship, not just by um, companies, but by you, the loyal listeners. Um, now, before we even get into sponsorship, if I want to let you guys know that above all else, you guys just tuning in whenever you get a free moment and listening to my beautiful voice, as raspy as it is, is what matters the most to me. But if you do like what we do here and you like the information we're putting out and you want to be a monthly sponsor, you can do so with as little as 99 cents a month. It gives you other options there as well. Um... I think I get like 13% of whatever you donate. Uh, you could do so securely through Google Play. So, you know, it's not like you're PayPaling it to me or anything like through some of those other uh, things. So, now that we got that out of the way, uh, let's just jump into it. For the last little while, we've covered the ground. And all the, well, most of the cryptids that have resided within the forest walls. I'm sure there's a few that I left out, and as a matter of fact, I know there are, and we'll cross back onto the forest, and we will go back over some that so rightfully deserve to be acknowledged. Uh... Last episode, we just barely, barely, barely touched the surface of the oceans, and I really wanted to spend more time on mer people. I also wanted to have an episode about the Kraken and some other um, ocean beings, such as Nessie, and you know, there's so many other ocean-related cryptids that we could be talking about, but. I made a commitment to diversify, and I said that the month of March we were going to go out of this world, and we were going to talk about aliens and alien abductions, close encounters, things that could be, you know, lumped in with that kind of uh, thing. So, that being said, here we are, first episode of March's alien madness and as promised I'm going to divulge a little bit of my personal history with this you know like a lot of people say um when you've had one paranormal experience you tend to have multiple paranormal experiences Bigfoot's no different. When you have a Bigfoot experience, it's kind of like a paranormal thing. So if you've had a Bigfoot experience, chances are you've had a ghost encounter, you've had an alien, a UFO sighting. Um, People that are prone to these kind of encounters generally have multiple encounters of different scenarios. I'm no different, okay? My family is no different. Um, it goes on and on. And yesterday while doing some research, and I'll shed a little bit more light on this, I found something 
to be really remarkable. I'll actually, I still have the uh, MUFON case file pulled up on my laptop. So before we end this podcast, I will share that story as well. Um, but let's just jump into today's podcast. Yes. Some would say my obsession with the stars happened the day my foster family and I were on the road trip traveling to Vegas from Salt Lake. And for a while, I would have agreed with them. It wasn't until years later I came to terms with that my obsession stemmed from what many refer to as astral traveling or realm jumping. Now here's the thing, folks. I didn't know what astral traveling was. For a long time, I called it dreamwalking. Okay? I didn't use the term astral traveling until I was watching the Insidious movies, okay? That's how ignorant I was to what I was doing. I didn't know astral traveling was an actual thing until the Insidious movies turned me on to that term and I started doing homework on it and I came, fell into a couple of forums and then started talking to other people and I realized that what I had been doing since I was 11 was actual astral traveling. Astral traveling, and a couple of people in that group referred to it as realm jumping because I was so advanced at it that I actually had to make a charm out of a natural material using some symbols that I had picked up during my traveling to anchor myself to this world I have held hung over my bed it's been with me now for five years Um, five years ago I had a really bad experience where I was in the process of traveling jumping whatever you want to call it and I remember the feeling of somebody cutting my spirit from my body and um, I remember hearing someone say get him out of there he's been in too long cut the cord and um, I saw these symbols as I was falling down and They were just really quick flashes, and I kept seeing them every time I tried to. Um, every time I would re-enter that state, so I made this charm. As a matter of fact, I made the charm on a baby coconut shell, on a fragment of a baby coconut shell, and it hangs over my my bed. And whenever I go to travel now or whenever I put myself into that state I'm able to find that charm and that charm is sort of my anchor or my doorway back and I haven't had a traumatic experience since I know it sounds crazy but it's real and it works okay so I began being able to do this, as I said, at the age of 11. I didn't realize what I was doing until I got much older. Kept asking friends of mine 
or my, friends of mine kept asking me why I was watching them sleep. The weird part was I was remembering details from the travel that I shouldn't have known, like where they left their homework, where their keys, or what they were going to wear the day before before they changed their mind. For a while, they thought I was psychic, and I didn't know exactly how to explain it to them until one day I had a roommate, and this was around the time I was, I was like 18, 19 years old, had a roommate, and while we were partying, and I, said, I used the term partying loosely, we weren't drinking or nothing, you know, it was around that time, we were all experimenting some stuff, you know, nothing hardcore or nothing, you can use your imagination. We're both sitting on the couch. And I said to him, Hey, you want to see something? I think I can make this happen. I closed my eyes for a little while. Before we, before we knew it, his sister, who was laying down in the other room, come running out in a panic, saying that I was standing in the closet. Then she ran out of the house when she realized that I was sitting on the couch. He immediately shook me and brought me out. Now, it's probably best to note that when I'm in this state of being able to travel, I'm aware of my surroundings, I'm aware of what's going on, I can see and I can remember the details that are happening as they happen. So when I come out of it, I know I don't need to be told. But having someone tell me what happened just verifies and confirms what I think, what I know has already happened. So having him verify what had transpired makes me know that I wasn't dreaming. Okay. Now back to the episode of the Vegas trip. I'm going to paint a picture for you. It's 1997. I'm not quite 17 because it's the summer of 97. I don't turn 17 until November. It's the middle of the summer, and for the family vacay, we're going to travel to Vegas to see the, our family that lives down there. Little did I know, the trip would be more memorable than mo the trip there would be more memorable than most of the trip, because when you're 17, there isn't a lot to do in Vegas. Now I will say this: I will say this. While we were down in Vegas, we stopped at the Strip, and they got roller coasters, and they got stuff like that where you know if you're 17 you can still ride the roller coasters and stuff um i dropped a couple quarters in a slot machine they're not going to check your id until unless you win i won and my my foster dad he wasn't too far away and he heard the machine going off and he hurried up and pushed me off the stool and sat down. Everything would have worked out fine had my brother not given us away. They were about to award, oh, I can't even remember the amount. I think it was like $5,000. It was in the five, 
it was up upwards of three thousand. Like, well, let's just say that it was upwards of three thousand that we had won. They're about to award him the money, and they had walked they had walked us over, and they said, "Are these your sons?" And he's like, "Yeah." They ran over here when they heard me yelling. They weren't really on the floor that long, and they're like, "Okay, well, they got to go back over to the thing." We'll have one of our guys escort him over. One of the guys escorted us past that red marker. You know how the floor is separated from the rest of the thing. So he escorted us over and kept kept watch of us. While we're over there and they escort our our dad over to the winnings booth where they're you know gonna present him the picture present him the winnings, take pictures, shake his hand, and everything else. Um, and mind you, 97, they're still spitting out nickels and quarters. They're still doing poker chips at the sun. Casinos haven't gotten around to the di- the cards or the digital tickets or nothing like that. So it was a big deal to get, be getting winnings back then. It's still a big deal, but I mean, everything's gone digital, so it's not it's not as fun. Um, and, uh, we're standing there. My dad is get, getting ready to get this briefcase to hold for the picture, right? And right as the picture's about to be taken, my brother says, I can't believe you won on your first quarter. And the guy standing behind us, standing as still as a stone wall, I'm like, God, shut up. He goes, what did you say? Wait, are you saying you put the quarter in? No. I'm not saying anything. He's losing it. All of a sudden, I see him put his finger to his ear. And they stopped. They, I can see, I have perfect line of sight. They literally push the briefcase away from my dad. They all come over and they're like, son, did you put the quarter in the machine? No. And my, my stupid ass brother. Yeah, you did. You dropped it in and pulled the thing and T came over. I was like, God damn it. Shut up. So that part was memorable. But the rest of it, the roller coasters was fun, but. You know, I spent most of the Vegas trip, unfortunately, hanging out, you know. I mean, it was fun hanging out with family, but from what I hear, Vegas is a lot more fun as an adult than a kid. So, there you go. That was a little side note. Hope you guys enjoyed my uh, youthful experience at Vegas. The trip there, however, (laughs) back to my script. Um, so it's 1997, we're on our way down to Vegas, and, you know, I had heard stories about the military site down there, the one where they took the aliens from Roswell, but it wasn't, I mean, it was, I guess it was... Kind of a big deal, but it wasn't as big a deal for me as it is now. Okay. Um, 
and in the car, and I'm just going to let you know this, my foster mom, she wasn't with us, she had flown down a couple days before, um, she was a TSA agent, she had the ability to get um, a couple f free flights, so it was her and my cousin, my uh, my female cousin, Rosie, who had flown down there a couple days before to make all the arrangements for us to be down there and make sure everything went smoothly. So in the car was me, my brother Nick, my dad T, and my cousin Lil J. Called him Lil J because he was really scrawny. His name was actually Joseph, but everybody called him Lil J. And as every other road trip, as every decent road trip goes, of course we had snacks, we had a cooler full of drinks, and a beautiful playlist of classic rock and roll, and you know, every classic rock and roll playlist has to have the Eagles, Metallica, and ACDC, so we were rocking out the whole way down there. Um... We had to make a couple pit stops, as every car full of guys has to do. Basically to water the plant, stretch the legs, air out the car. Um, when you're munching on Slim Jims and potato chips, it can get per pretty aromatic. It was the last pit stop before we had drove into Vegas. That was the most compelling pit stop of them all we'd pulled over to the side of the road and you know we uh we didn't have smartphones back then you know think about it 97 i think the smartest thing about phones was being able to play that little worm game on them So, we're sitting there on the side of the road, just talking to each other, stretching our legs. My brother says, you know, I think we might be pretty close to that one base, the alien base. And that's what we referred to it as, especially when we forgot the name. Also, it seemed kind of weird to call the base by name of a local nightclub from our hometown. See, I'm from Utah, and here we have a nightclub called Area 51. Anyway, so, like I said, we have a nightclub here in Utah called Area 51. It's not alien themed or anything like that. Um, I believe now they might have an alien night. I'm not sure. I haven't been there for years. And I mean years. I used to go there occasionally, but I stopped going. Had a lot of bad experiences there. Um, not going to get into that. Anyway. 
the last pit stop we made, it was probably about 9.30. I want to point out that we left kind of late in the day. We left mid-late afternoon, probably about 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock. We were supposed to leave a lot sooner than that, but I don't know. Something just kept preventing us from leaving. Okay? So, we left around about 3, I want to say, and we just could not find the motivation to get on the road. And we stopped, we got gas, we stopped at another place, got drinks, and then stopped. (laughs) He just, our dad just kept stopping at different places, like he did not want to go to Vegas. So, by the time we actually got on the road, it was probably about 4, so 9.30 was was our, you know... It was getting dusky, you know. It was right that gray dusk look in the sky. And it was right before it got dark, if that makes any sense. And I remember we were finishing off our drinks because we all were about the halfway point on our drinks. We were just talking about... There was a concert, Earth, Wind, and Fire was going to be performing down in Vegas. And we all really wanted to go. And T said that, unfortunately, the concert was going to be performed in a casino. But he would make sure that he got us two t-shirts and an autograph, which he held true to his word. Um, I wish I still had the autograph and t-shirt, but I don't uh, so many years ago. I'm now 37. Sorry, I'm 38. Um, so it's been quite a while since that trip, and and the details still to this day ring true to me. Um, so we're about ready to finish off our drink and grab a fresh one for the rest of the ride home. And right as we're reaching into the cooler, so we can get in to the car. My brother nudges my shoulder and says, look at that. And as he says, we all look up in the sky. And there's, there as clear as day is this huge triangle object coming right at us. And it can't be more than maybe five or six car lengths in front of us. But there's no sound coming from it. The only thing emitting from this thing is light. Three different lights. And I'm not talking like lights like a plane like you know you have your one light two light and they're blinking on both sides and then you got your third light in the front no i'm talking like bar lights like covering like making up the shape of this craft or object if you will whatever you want to call it but it was making up the shape of this thing one was like a pink almost you know a red but it looked pink one was a blue and the other was white and it literally outlined this thing. And they were bars. And you could see the structure of it. I remember it as clear as day. Um, still to this day, none of the other people in that car will talk about it. I brought it up to my dad. Um, not more than maybe a couple months ago. And he says, I thought we promised not to talk about that night. I was like, I know we promised, but don't you think we should discuss 
at some point what happened. Um, we something happened. And he goes, as far as I'm concerned, nothing happened, and everybody's okay. Like, all right. So here I am, 38. That impacted my life so much that I became really obsessed with ETs. Um, And here's why. Not only did I witness something, not only did we all witness something, the entire incident lasted maybe two minutes, tops. When we got back in the car, we were missing an hour. Okay, we were missing an hour. None of us can explain why. Now, I'm kind of a wuss. I'm not going to go and submit myself to uh, hypnotic or hypnosis or anything like that to try to find out what happened during that hour. One other incident like this happened to me um, on the way home from work one night when I was working... I was working late, I had been promoted, and I was the last person in an o- in the office. I called my wife, I said, alright, I'm just going to call it a night, I've still got quite a bit to do, but it's getting late, I want to get the fuck out of here. Um, I already cleared it with the boss to come back in tomorrow and finish up, if you don't mind. I'll just come in for a few hours and uh, rock it out. She's like, yeah, that's fine. I want you home. Like, all right, I'll see you in 20. We didn't live that far from my work. And my truck back then was a 1985 F-250 dual cab. It wouldn't, uh, you know, the highest it would go on the speedometer was 90 but it still had some get up and go and I left the office at midnight there wasn't a whole lot of traffic out there on that road where I was I could have gone 90 the whole way before I ran into a cop down by my house and then at that point I would have just gone over the through the field and lost his ass but I was playing it safe or at least you know I was going to play it safe I didn't get that far from my work actually I had pulled out of the parking lot I had gone down the street to the intersection and right as and so, so you guys can see this clearly in your head the intersection I'm talking about it overlooks a copper mine okay so there's a hillside and there's a copper mine out there and there's normally lights you know like radio towers and whatnot and they have like little red dots red lights on the top of them well okay so there's red lights on them so what we see them all the time we're used to seeing them I uh Pulled up to this light. There's no traffic around. It was red. Turned green. I turned. There's another light. Right. Literally right there. So I turned. I had to come to a stop. 
because that light right there lets traffic merge onto the freeway. Now I'm sitting there and I'm looking out to the copper mine for whatever reason I can't explain. But all of a sudden this really bright light comes up and over the hills, hilltop and it like flashes right into my face. And then it was gone. And when I come, when the whole incident couldn't have lasted more than maybe a couple of seconds, but when I came to, you know, like I said, a couple of seconds when I, when it was gone, I looked, I grabbed my phone and I realized I had like four missed calls from my wife and I called her back. I was like, what's going on? She's like, where the hell are you? I was like. I just barely left work. I'm on my way home to you. She's like, what do you mean you just barely left work? You said you'd see me in 20 minutes. I'm like, babe, it's only been a couple of seconds. She's like, no, it's been like an hour and a half. I was like, babe, something weird just happened. She's like, yeah, you're telling me. It's like, no, you've got to listen to me. So I pulled the truck over and I explained to her, that I had just barely pulled out of the parking lot after I hung up with her. And I had stopped and a bright light had flashed into my face. And the whole thing had lasted for exactly like I explained it to you. But an hour and a half had gone by. And so she, being worried that I had had a seizure, had somebody ride with her to come pick me up. I said, I don't feel like I had a seizure. A little back history, I have epilepsy. But I don't think I had, I told her, I don't feel like I have, a, I don't feel like I had a seizure. I'll be fine to drive home. She's like, I'm still going to come pick you up because that sounds really weird. I truly believe that what I saw that night was another craft like the one we saw the night of on the side of the Nevada highway. I can't explain what it was, but nor can I explain the lapse in time. But I can tell you that I had four missed calls from my wife and she was severely concerned about me. In other, uh, UFO related events we have moved to Layton we've lived all over Utah but we moved to Layton about five or six years ago almost seven almost seven years ago and one night while out visiting with my giant dog which I did quite frequently I didn't put a whole lot of thought into thinking I was going to see a UFO in my backyard. But um, I'm out visiting my dog. And I look up. And I see a plane fly over. Okay. I'm right on the flight pl flight path. I'm used to seeing jets, hearing jets, seeing helicopters, bombers. I live right next to I live on the flight path of Hill Air Force Base. So. 
That was something I enjoyed seeing. It was really cool for me. But then all of a sudden, I see this orange ball. And it comes over my house, and it just kind of hovers there, and then it disappeared. And then... I come running in the house, I'm like, oh my god, I just saw the weirdest thing. This orange thing just kind of came over the house, kind of did a little bit of a dance, and then, boop, it was gone. Everybody thought I was crazy. A couple months go by, it's the 4th of July, we're out there lighting fireworks, and over in the distance... Right by Hill Air Force Base, there's this area where the jets turn around. They turn right towards the hillside and they go back and land, right? There's this area right over there by Hill Air Force Base. There's this turquoise, almost blue-green orb, like kind of like the orange one I saw. And it's just floating. And then it shoots up and it's gone. And I wasn't the only one that saw it. With me, my kids, our company, my wife was out there. And then the same thing happened the next year. The next year we're out there. Only my wife, she wasn't feeling well, so she stayed inside. My brother, he just watched the fireworks from the window because we always let them on the side of the house. We didn't have any company over that. No, actually we did. We had company over that year. We had a couple of my my kids' friends over. We're all sitting out there. We're lighting off the fireworks. And sure enough, the rough same location. Two of them this time, though. And my kids are like, Dad, do you think that's... That's the same location. Do you think it's someone with the drone? I was like, no, it's not a drone. If you listen... When we stopped with the fireworks, there was nobody else lighting them off. You couldn't hear anything coming from it. We weren't that far from it, and it actually flew towards us, then flew back, and then it was gone. We didn't see it shoot off. And then right after it disappeared, we heard three jets scramble. And I was like, oh, okay. Now that I've introduced you to the story let's go to MUFON's page I found this yesterday okay and I was turned on to it by one of my old neighbors still had my phone number I've had the same phone number for a while he says you know those things you kept seeing you gotta check out MUFON's page case number 84488 June 19th 2017. Okay, so this isn't too long ago. This takes place in Layton, Utah. This is by Roger Marsh. Roger's the guy that takes all the new cases and posts them them on uh, MUFON's and investigate some and whatnot. A Utah witness at Layton reported watching and videotaping a star-shaped pulsating object while observing a second bell-shaped object with no light, according to testimony in case 84488 from the Mu- from MUFON, witness reported 
witness reporting database. The witness was in was in front yard with a friend, his wife, and two adult children when the incident occurred at 7 p.m. on June 19, 2017. I live just south of Hill Air Force Base, mind you. If he lives just south of Hill Air Force Base, okay, that means he lives in the same remote area where I used to live, where I was living. An Air Force tanker passed overhead in the landing pattern which drew our attention. I was the first to notice the UFO. It was north of us in almost the exact same place as the last one I reported in 2016, about a 45 degree angle from us and appearing to be directly east of Hill Air Force Base. East. So, okay, so he's reporting exactly where we were seeing the ones we were seeing. Because, and exactly a year apart. So he's seeing exactly what we were seeing. We, 45 degree angle and east from Hill Air Force Base. So he's looking exactly in the direction we were looking. So to point out where I, where I was living, I was living on Fairfield Road and Hill Air Force Base is down Fairfield Road. You take Fairfield Road, you'll run right into it. Okay. And my sighting took place looking east at a 45 degree angle from Hill Air Force Base. He lives south of Hill Air Force Base, which I also live south of Hill Air Force Base. So that means that he had to have been one of my neighbors or further down or further down Fairfield Road but still looking in the same direction. He even has a video posted up here on the MUFON uh, website. It's and when I seen it, I was like, oh my God, that is exactly what I saw. That is exactly what we've seen. I showed it to my kids and they're like, oh my God, dad, that is it, it exactly. My one son, my, uh, my one son, he's, he's like, dad, you can even see the blue even during the day, even with the sunlight still hitting it, you can still see the blue. Let's see. The witness saw the light from the object. The UFO flashed, but not in a regular pattern. At times, the flashes were very bright, and other times quite dim. Then a second object was seen. As the UFO moved south from overhead, another one joined it to the east of us and traveling in the same direction. The second UFO did not flash. The copper-colored and circular-like a ball I was unable to get a picture of the copper UFO both UFOs were quite high in the air possibly 1500 feet and moving south at a leisurely rate each continued to rise until they passed through the clouds which were high cirrus clouds the event lasted approximately 20 minutes no sound was heard and no discernible emissions from either UFO the witness tried to find an explanation for the objects. 
since the event is near the Hill Air Force Base, there was obvious air traffic. Makes no sense that the UFOs were weather balloons. They could have been mylar balloons, but appeared to be too large and were clearly visible as they passed through the light cloud cover that was and and this is this is something that I'd like to point out as well. Every time we've seen these, they they illuminate behind objects. Like you can clearly see them behind the trees, behind the clouds. So it's not you can't just explain it away by saying, "Oh, you saw a balloon." Oh, you saw, you know, no, they shine through things. Um, light cloud cover that was above the Francis Peak radar station, which is at 9,560 feet altitude. My location is at 4,500 feet altitude, making the UFOs over 5,000 feet above as they pass through the clouds, which was at a 45 degree angle. That means they were over 2.5 miles away when they disappeared from view one and the fact that this guy knows all this information means he's a pilot means he's in the air force or has been in the military um i'm just telling you right now um being a navy vet and having the knowledge that i have you're not going to have all this information. You're not going to know all this knowledge being just a regular run-of-the-mill schmuck. You're not going to know that something is 4,500 feet altitude and the math of the angle would make something 2.5 miles if it's 5,000 feet above you unless you've done the math by being in the air. Okay? You're not. This guy is obviously a pilot. Um, one of the objects appeared to have structure to it. Final point, when the star-shaped UFO passed directly overhead, it looked like it had some sort of structure attached to its bottom. I could not get my phone to focus on it. I eventually gave up on the phone and ran inside and grabbed my Canon EOS Rebel T6 and shot the last few photos with it showing the star-shaped UFO as it was passing through the clouds. Layton is a city in Davis County, population 67,311. MUFON CAG member Stan Seba is investigating for Utah MUFON. Seven images and two video clips excuse me, were, were included with the report, which was filed on June 19, 2017. Please remember that most UFO sightings can be explained as something natural or man-made. The above quotes were edited for clarity. Please report UFO activity to MUFON. And I have, um, I have commented on this. You know, I wanted him to know that he's not alone. That I have, that I have seen this as well. I wanted him to know that. I've seen it not once, but multiple times being out here. Um, I have spoke with a few of my contacts who are still active. See if I could get any see if I could get any kind of uh, 
clarification as what they might think it could be. And I kind of got the leave it alone thing, leave it alone ensemble. So, um, there you go. Next week, we're going to start to unravel a few things. Um, I'm hoping to be able to talk a little bit more about sky people, sun gods. Um, you know, obviously, we want to talk about alien abductions, and we're just going to start diving into this and getting dirty. So, that was a little bit of my history. So you guys know that this topic is really, really personal to me. And, as you know, and a, an actual case that is on the MUFON's radar that hits close to home. So, what do you guys think? Do you think UFOs are beings from another planet? Do you think they're subterranean creatures that are just popping out to say, hey, we're still here. Do you think they are us from the future coming back to say life is not going to just simply stop carrying on? Where do you think it goes? What theory entertains your mind? Have you been abducted? Have you had an encounter, a sighting? Let me know in the comments, leave me a message, or email me at heavyhamusa at gmail.com. As always, for whatever goes bump in the night and keeps you out of the woods or keeps you awake at night, I'm Heavy Ham, and this has been Hamcast. Stay frosty, everybody.